Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Retail Podcast by Vue.ai. I'm your host, Kritika Anand. The Retail Podcast by Vue.ai is all about leading the conversation around retail and technology. Rant is one of the top 10 retail podcasts to listen to. We've created this space for you to get exclusive insights from incredible conversations with some of the greatest minds in retail. For today's episode, we have with us here today, Johannes Montag, Head of E-commerce at Picard. Joining us in this conversation is Martin, our Head of Accounts, Europe. Many using natural materials, equipped with traditional bag-making craftsmanship with creative design at its core, Picard is a family concern that has been passing on their love of beautiful leather goods to the next generations over the years. Through this conversation, we'll dive deep into Picard's digital transformation journey and much more. Once again, a big welcome to you, Johannes. Thanks for joining us today. Martin, over to you. Thank you for that introduction, Kritika. I'm happy to be here and welcome, Johannes. Um, so I met you in London uh, right before Etel conference, actually, at the end of April. Uh, how have you been since then? Um, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, and uh, well, I've been, I've been just fine. Yeah, well, a good couple of weeks. We have some big projects in the company because we're implementing a new ERP and we were outsourcing our logistics. So uh, a lot of uh, struggles, but uh, we're doing okay. So I'm good. Thank you. Great to hear. So uh, let's get right into it. Um, so first question. Um, Picard was founded back in 1928, uh, and the brand has been around for almost 100 years now. So take us through that journey for Picard and the three pillars that you have, your values are built on. It's sustainability, craftsmanship, and responsibility. Yes. So Picard, as you said, was founded in 1928 by uh, Martin uh, Picard and his sons, Alois and Edmund. So it was a family business um, right from the start. And they were producing um, all kinds of leather goods back then. Um, so it wasn't until the early 80s until they decided to actually launch uh, their own brand. Um, until then, they were producing leather goods for other companies and other brands. Um, and their the biggest time they had in Germany was uh, in terms of um, production site was in the 60s and 70s where there were around a thousand people working um, at the main, uh, at the headquarters uh, here in Obertshausen, uh, close to Frankfurt. Um, and in the 70s, when um, imports from, from South America and China um, became more common uh, in Europe, um, they needed to um, change something about the production uh, as well because they just couldn't afford to go with the market at that time. And that's when they decided to um, open a, um, a factory in Tunisia that was the first factory outside of Germany um, that was uh, in the 70s. And after that, they opened other factories in uh, Bangladesh and the Ukraine uh, as well, but we still produce um, bags in Germany as well. So um, until uh, till today, we still have our production going, and we still have um, a couple of uh, collections that are made in Germany exclusively. 
Um, so yeah, you were talking about our, our values, uh, like the, the pillars that the whole company is, is built on. And um, one of the main things that we focus on uh, would definitely be the cr uh, craftsmanship. Um, so we are one of the last companies uh, in Germany to still train the craft of uh, fine bag makers. Um, so in, in Germany, we have a very specific uh, system of, of training. So you can't really just go ahead and call yourself a, uh, let's say, carpenter, just because you do the work of a carpenter. You have to do a three-year, uh, at least three-year apprenticeship um, before you can call yourself um, a certain profession. Um, so this uh, apprenticeship for fine bag makers, there are almost no companies in Germany anymore who, who do this. Um, we still do it because we believe in, um, in the traditional uh, craftsmanship of bag making. Um, so we pass it on to the next generation. And this is one of the, um, one of the big values that we, um, that's very important to us. So the other would be um, responsibility in terms of, um, as, as I mentioned before, we do have uh, factories outside of Germany, um, but these, um, all of these factories are 100% owned by Picard, so we're not um, giving this work away to contractors. So that means we have um, the, a big influence on how this factory uh, is being run and um, how the conditions for the workers are there. And this is very important for us as well. We have been in our factory in Bangladesh. We do have a kindergarten. We do have a school. We um, do have doctors that take care of, uh, of the staff. Um, so that's very important to us that uh, even though we are a global company, we still have the values um, of a family-run company, which we still are. Uh, and by the way, fourth generation now and the fifth generation is already uh, there to take over, well, let's say in maybe 10 to 15 years or something. But um, yeah, still going on with these values. And the other would be um, sustainability that you mentioned. Um, so, well, sustainability is kind of has become kind of a buzzword uh, lately. And um, everyone, you know, the customer would like to know where the products that he buys or she buys um, come from and are they being produced in a sustainable manner so um, we use or we work we only work with tanneries that would be probably the most crucial part of the most difficult part in leather production is finding tanneries that um, that are working sustainable and care about the environment um, so this is the hardest part, finding these tanneries, but we only work with tanneries that are certified um, with uh, yeah, different certificates that prove that they work uh, in a sustainable way. And um, for that matter, something I'd like to mention as well is that uh, the leather that we use for our bags um, is pretty much a um, byproduct, a waste product, if you will, from, um, from the food production. So um, for our bags, no animal is being killed. It's just uh, the leather that we buy from the world market as a waste product um, from the food production. So as long as people eat meat, we will have uh, leather to um, produce our bags as well. So this is also a very sustainable um, 
sustainable production because we help using everything that a, an animal that's being killed has to offer pretty much. That's really impressive. Uh, the core values really have stood the test of time, actually. Um, so that brings me uh, to the most crucial test that retailers have ever been put through the pandemic. Um, retailers across the globe were thrown off their game and expected to be quick on their feet and adapting to digital channels. Um, so what did this period look like for Picard in terms of preparedness and adaptability? Um, well, the pandemic was, um, as for most traditional companies, was a very a dark and, and sad time for us as well, um, which was uh, pretty much because of our um, sales structure, um, the, the, the B2B legacy. We have heavily relied on um, brick and mortar stores. Which obviously had to had to close um, down and uh, had difficulties as well and was struggling, um, which meant that we were struggling as well, um, big time to be honest. So we were on the um, on the edge of, of of bankruptcy. That's something, uh, yeah, you could oh, you wow. could say, and um, we had to lay off uh, a lot of stuff staff, un unfortunately as well. So it, it was hard times. Um, but we somehow <laughs> made it out of it um, uh, alive and kicking. And uh, so now the question is what, what does uh, the future hold for us? Um, and uh, yeah, as you mentioned, the digitalization is, is uh, one of the big parts. So when I joined um, Picard um, a bit over a year ago, there was no real focus um, on digitalization in terms of uh, sales. So um, there was an online shop that has been around for, let's say, 10 years, but um, it was pretty much a one-man show uh, and um, there was no focus on it like at all. So uh, that had to change very quickly. Um, and that's why I joined the company. And um, my main task was like right from day one was um, implementing new digital sales channels and implementing a um, D2C structure pretty much um, to diversify the risk um, of only being a B2B um, company. That's really incredible. Um, I'd love to uh, learn to know a little bit more about what a digital transformation journey looks like for this 94-year-old company, especially post-pandemic. So, um, in your speech at ETA London, you, you mentioned how Picard pioneered the field of optimization for um, the online shop with AI in particular, achieving your success really rapidly. Um, so you increased your online sales by more than, than 110% in one single year. Uh, really impressive numbers. Uh, so tell us a little bit more about that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. As I mentioned, it was pretty much a, uh, when I, when I joined uh, Picard, I had to almost start from scratch um, when it comes to, uh, um, to online sales. Um, but also the, the truth was at that time, we were just getting out of the, of one of the maybe biggest crisis in the company history. So um, I didn't have a um, huge budget 
to realize um, my, my tasks pretty much. So um, it was a bit of a startup-like character uh, in the department, if you like. So there, there was no e-com department before I joined the company. Um, so the first thing I had to do is um, pretty much implement the basics of e-commerce and, and digital marketing, um, like CO, CA, and uh, social ads, stuff like that. Also onboarding a lot of marketplaces um, where a lot of our growth comes from. Um, but we, as I said, we, we had a startup-like character, meaning um, a very small team, um, which also means if you want to kind of like catch up on uh, digitalization that uh, has not been tackled the past 10 years, um, you need some uh, help um, from, um, let's say, tools uh, as AI tools that help you automating processes um, in the team. Um, so for our everyday tasks. So we also switched, uh, we, we launched a new online shop, switched to Shopify um, to just have a more agile platform and uh, with an easy integration for almost everything uh, you can imagine. Um, but um, we had a few problems um, with uh, let's say product photography was one of our main pain points and not, not so much the, um, the product uh, itself, but the on-model presentation of it. Um, so we had at that time um, around 2,500 uh, existing SKUs, plus we have four collections a year with 300 to 500, um, 300 to 500 SKUs each. Uh, so getting models to shoot all of these bags was just unrealistic. It, it was, uh, I didn't have the budget, didn't have the time and didn't have the, uh, man power to, uh, to do that. Um, so that's when, um, that's when, um, AI tool, um, specifically, uh, view model, um, helped us, uh, doing this process and getting all these pictures and getting the on-model presentation on point as well. That's fantastic. Uh, we're absolutely honored to be a part of this digital transformation journey with Picard and overall excited about the relationship that we at View have with you. Um, so you mentioned uh, View model already. So how has it been this transition into AI and using it for the team? Well, the, at uh, the beginning, um, we had to first find out what's, what's going wrong uh, pretty much in, in our online sales. And uh, we had low conversions rate and high return rates. Um, and uh, the, the product pictures, as I mentioned themselves, they were okay, like high resolution, professionally shot, and the descriptions were good as well. But um, with return rates of above 30%, which for the fashion industry doesn't sound a lot, but as we're only doing accessories and we do not have different sizes, 30% um, plus return rates were just too high uh, for my taste. Um, so uh, we came down to the point where we said, okay, it, it seems to be the on-model presentation. And as I mentioned before, we had so many, <clears throat> so many SKUs to catch up on. Um, so we needed a, a digital solution to that. 
because with a with a small team and a limited budget, you just can go ahead and shoot thousands and thousands of uh, unmodeled pictures. And uh, then again, with every new collection, um, start over again. So, um, but to be honest, I don't really recall how I came across uh, a view model, um, but the. Uh, right from the start, the solution seemed to be um, exactly what we were looking for, um, because what it what it does pretty much is um, automating this process and digitalizing this process of uh, unmodel uh, taking unmodel pictures. Um, so the way it works is that we choose um, we choose models from a catalog and we choose outfits for them, and um, then we just give our product pictures into the algorithm and then it uh, joins it all together and we pretty much have an unmodeled picture without ever having the model and the bag in the same room so um, and, it, and it looks it just looks great and um, that that's the the first thing so it's great for the customer because they um, get an idea of how big a bag actually looks like um, on wearing it because let's be honest um, no one wants to read the descriptions and, and, and the measurements, even though they are there, we would like to see it on the model before we order it. So um, that was something we could, we could solve for the, for the customer. And on our end, um, it was just great because it was just so little effort to, to do this. Um, of course, in the beginning, the algorithm needs to learn, so you have to put in a bit more effort, but it gets better over time. And um, we're now at a point where we can do thousands of pictures in, in pretty much no time with very little effort. Um, so it was just, it was the perfect solution for um, scaling uh, on a budget, if you like. I'm so happy to hear that it's helpful to you. And we're really happy to be to power this for Picard and hope to continue this relationship, of course. Um, oh, and, uh, just let me add one more thing because uh, it was just, it, it was not just um, like, uh, something uh, out of gut feeling. Uh, we did have uh, a few results for that as well. So we, we could increase our conversion rate by more than 60% by using on model, like real on model pictures. And um, we could uh, also lower our returns. So we had 22% less returns after implementing it. Um, so it, it, was, it, it did everything that we hoped for. Um, without having to spend uh, tens of thousands of euros for it. So it was just, uh, yeah, great, great tool, great results as well. Wow, that's incredible numbers. Thanks for sharing that. So uh, venturing into AI is something you firmly set foot in, foot in and, and it has been fruitful for you, as we could hear. Um, so where do you wish to see the future in retail AI heading? And what is the next big thing to look out for? Ooh, um, that's a big question. Uh, that's something we always ponder about when we go to the conferences. But I'd say that um, one of the biggest topics uh, in the um, in the scene right now would be um, personalization, probably, um, and, and personalization for the customer, um, because these all these one fits all solutions um, are pretty much a thing of the past. Uh, and no one wants to 
to surf in an online shop um, that just offers the same products, uh, the same listing, um, the same priorities to every customer, and it doesn't matter who who's on there. I want a solution that is um, uh, that is my personal uh, best choice, um, or that the algorithm. Um, has somehow found out could be interesting for me. Um, I don't want to scroll through uh, tons of products that um, I don't care about. So personalization would be something that I'd say is one of the, the biggest um, topics right now, um, as that would be on the customer side. Um, and for us uh, as an e-com team, which uh, is um, crucial um, if you have a small team, um, would be automation of any kind of uh, processes in the background, um, which could be uh, like the catalog management would be something that's very crucial to the whole um, e-com experience pretty much. And automating this catalog management, um, product tagging, or as I said, the on-model pictures, um, that is something that would be, that's very important for me as well. Um, in the future. And the other thing will probably be, um, uh, which is not so much, uh, not so much AI. Well, that's not, well, there are some tools out there using AI helping with it, but um, that will be tracking issues and data protection for the customer as well. So um, this is something that we were wrapping our heads around um, for the last uh, few years Um and especially since uh, the iOS 14 update, when tracking became very difficult and it will be more difficult um, in future. So I think cookie-less tracking would be uh, the third thing that I see as one of the big topics um, for, for e-com in the future. Very interesting. Um, yeah, we're also incredibly excited to see what the future of AI looks like in the retail landscape, of course. So um, you've been on a fantastic journey and uh, we're excited to see what's in store for Picard. So tell us about what's on the horizon for you guys. Well, um, I think um, that we need to follow the, the path that we uh, started now. So um, it would be probably steady growth on, on different B2C sales channels. Um, and implementing new B2C sales channels, um, which is, uh, yeah, again, as I mentioned before, uh, just something that we were missing um, for, for the last, uh, since forever, pretty much, since from the start. But uh, it became obvious uh, with the pandemic. So this is something that we um, need, to, need to follow the next years as well. Um, the other thing would be, um, when we're talking about digitalization today, uh, we're uh, almost exclusively talking about um, B2C sales, but that's, um, that's only part of it, for, for my, uh, in my opinion, at least. So um, I think the digitization of B2B uh, business would be uh, another thing that we definitely uh, need to tackle. Um, and kind of, uh, there, there's a lot of... Um, a lot of focus on the B2C, but uh, to be honest, B2B is still the biggest part of our business. And I think that's true for most of traditional companies that have been around for 50, 60, 70 years or more. Um, so uh, that, that would definitely be another one. And um, 
for, for me personally, that, that is something that um, I struggle with uh, joining a company with a legacy like this. And I th- I'm, I'm pretty sure that this is something um, that also uh, that's the case for, for most of e-com um, teams in, in traditional com- companies as well, is to get clean data. Um, because this is some like in terms of product data uh, as well as um, the the data that we're tracking on a daily basis, um, because this is something we're still missing. We have a lot of um, data silos, if you want. You, we have a lot of departments that collect data but never share it. Um, so uh, that is some of the biggest struggles for me um, coming up, probably like cleaning the data, having a data warehouse where. Um, just a second. Sorry, um, having a, a data warehouse where, uh, with good integration and where all of the departments can uh, get insights from, that would be something uh, very big. Uh, as well as I mentioned before, the process automation. That's especially for me as a head of ecom, and when I'm ha- having uh, to lead a team of um, of a few, quite a few people now. But um, still not, we do not have a department of 20 people that are responsible for e-com. So we still have to structure and plan our resources very carefully, um, meaning that process automation and, again, using AI tools um, would be something uh, that could be a big game changer for us as well. Um, Yeah. So I think these are the main points for me uh, going forward. Sounds great. I very much agree on the clean data part, (laughs) being in an AI company. Okay, so we wish you really the best on this. Um, So, but before we wrap up, I thought it would be fun if we could play a quick round of rapid fire questions. So I'll ask you a question and you tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. Does that sound good? Okay, let's go. Okay, great. Let's begin. So first question. What brand or marketplace do you look up to for digitization? Uh, um, brand uh, would probably be um, Rose Bikes, which is a uh, bike company uh, in Germany, um, well known in the scene. Um, and uh, in terms of digitalization, absolutely done an amazing job in the past years and uh, have always done an amazing job. And for marketplace, it would definitely definitely be Douglas, uh, which is one of the um, most promising marketplaces in Germany right now. Um, And they're doing a great job as well. Great. Favorite part of being an e-commerce manager? What's that? Um, Favorite part? The favorite part would be that we work at the uh, intersection of uh, sales and tech, kind of. That, that's the most interesting part for me because coming from sales, but also being interested in, in, in tech uh, and digitalization, um, yeah, that, that would be probably uh, the favorite part as well as um, kind of being a, a full funnel uh, department, if you like. So we do, since we just launched uh, exclusive online collections, we pretty much do everything from product management to uh, from supply chain to, um, to, well, to the sales uh, and the marketing as well. So that's the fun part as well, being a, a company within the company, if you want. Sounds like fun. Common myth about your industry common myth 
um, <clears throat> that profitable growth is not possible. That's a, a myth. Um, and I, I don't think it's true. It's again, of course, hyper growth needs investments. I'm not going to argue with that, um, but it is possible to scale and to grow um, profitable. Fantastic. Last question. Top two purchased bag colors at Picard. Hmm. What would you think? Black, definitely. <laughs> yeah, that's number one. Black, black always beige, goes red. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, those are the two colors. Exactly, black and beige. That would be the two best-selling colors. Um, black just goes with with everything, pretty much. Um, beige as well, and red would be true for um, for our wallets. They Great. Uh, they they are very good selling in red. But yeah, bl black and beige definitely. Fantastic. That was incredible. Thank you for this. And thanks again for joining us on our podcast today. We're looking forward to more such insightful conversations with you soon. Over to you, Kritika. Thank you so much, Martin. And a huge thank you to you, Johannes, for this incredible conversation. Sure. Uh, thank you for having me. Thank you. And a 94-year-old company's digital transformation journey puts so much into perspective about the landscape of retail and AI today. And it was a pleasure having you on this podcast. And we had a great time hearing your insights. Thank you. So this brings us to the end of this podcast of the Retail Podcast by View.ai. Keep watching this space for your dose of all things retail and technology. Until next time, this is Kritika Anand. Bye-bye. <laughs>